Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't afford a Ferrari. But that don't mean I can't get you there. I guess he's an Xbox, and I'm more Atari. About the way you play, your game ain't fair. Hello and welcome to this episode of Game On Girl, where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. In this episode, we'll be talking to Darla Kennerud, Editorial Manager from Privateer Press. And we'll wrap up what we've been watching, reading, and playing. So stay tuned, and we're glad you're listening to Game On Girl. We're delighted to welcome Darla Kennerud from Privateer Press to the show today. You may remember we interviewed the community manager, Simon Berman, in episode 74 about the new video game Privateer has in the making, War Machine Tactics. Today, Darla joins us to talk more about her role at this innovative game company. Welcome to the show, Darla. Thanks for having me. We're delighted that you're here. So why don't you start out with giving us a little bit about your background and your job as editorial manager for Privateer? Well, um, I think I will do that backwards. Uh, I'll start by talking a little bit about what I do here. Um, You know, as editors, we often uh, end up explaining what we do by what it is we don't do. (laughs) I I, I I understand that sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of the, you know, like the engineer of the the modern era, except that now technology has overtaken that and engineer means something totally different. So I guess I'm just showing my age. Um, in that it can include so many different things. Mm-hmm. So my main purpose here at Privateer is to oversee all of the the products and the support that we do for the game. So whether that's something that goes in the game, so the book itself or a card that goes along with a model or the packaging or something that is in a support role for the organized play or the website or, you know, whatever it is that we're doing mm-hmm. and make sure that, that it's clear and hopefully it has uh, no grammatical or punctuation errors in it. Although of course, you know, those things, they're like little hobgoblins and they pop up. Yeah. But they that's just what I'm out on of the nowhere sometimes for. I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's one of those, it's the curse, you know, mm-hmm. it's always there. As soon as you say, um, it, it must be perfect. It immediately cannot be perfect. That's mm. that's the rule of the life of an editor. <laughs> um, and so because that encompasses so many different uh, aspects of a publishing company, you've got advertising, you've got retailers, you've got the actual product releases. We send things directly to distributors to explain to them what products we have so that they know what to order. We work with retailers directly to um, help them get programs for their store to get players uh, in the store and uh, playing uh, through leagues or you know special events, things like that, so the players can connect with each other. Uh, we have things for the players themselves, and of course uh, FAQs for the games. And then you know we've got these actual games that do get made at some point, and <laughs> <laughs> all of that. And throughout the the whole thing, there's so much text that gets generated that you don't even think about until you're responsible for it. Um, Small things like the, the legal block that goes on the bottom of a piece of packaging that, you know, you might just automatically throw it away or, you know, file it away. If you're, if you're somebody who likes to keep the address, you don't know where to to find it or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, All the way to the more complex uh, rules themselves. 
Right. Um, and well, that's one of the things about sort of War Machine. For, from what I know, I've played a handful of times. I'm, I'm, I don't have a, a whole mastery of the game or the characters or the factions or anything. But there's so much lore and so much history in the game itself that that, I would imagine, creates even more content for you to have to keep track of and edit and finesse, such as Oh, Omer. sure. Yeah, because, you know, we're very excited about our games. Mm-hmm. And so War Machine is a, a, it was a fantastic kind of a game to come in on. Uh, it was already an existing game before I came to the company. And even when the game was was uh, first introduced, mm-hmm. the setting had already been created through the original role-playing game that Privateer did, you know, way back, back when under the D20 system. Mm-hmm. And that was how the company started out. And so there's a lot of that that lore and background that's there. And then they set uh, War Machine and then Hordes in the same general setting um, and looked at it in a new way and looked Mm -hmm. at a different kind of a game. And then we're doing the same thing again with High Command, which is the the deck deck building. building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the deck building game and so that also you'll see some of the same characters that you see in in fact you know many of the favorites that you see in war machine and hordes but now they're in card form and and you're doing different things with them it's similar but it's not a card representation of war machine right so what that means for me is that um in addition to getting to geek out over that as a player I can then think about okay, we do uh, we do role playing games. We do this miniatures game. We do um, a car game now, and you know, it just it just adds on to the sorts of of text mm-hmm. that that I get to manipulate and the different audiences that we're hoping to reach. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that what I'm doing with the text is helping those people get it. Right. Right. Ultimately, that's my job. Yeah. Well, the basic is is wanting people to understand the game itself. Absolutely. And the setting. Mm-hmm. So it's sort yeah. of a two-tier thing when you're dealing with a setting like that. We have, just as an example, we also have um, the Bodgers game line, and those are lighter, more more um, quicker games. They tend to be, there's, what, four of them, I think, now. Mm-hmm. Um, they tend to be uh, what I think of as, as warm-up games, although you can definitely get into a warm-up game and you just want to keep going. Yeah. So you play more than one one round of it. Sure. But they're not something that you're going to sit down and play one game for a few hours like you might in an RPG or, or War Machine. And the um, the general approach for those is it's lighter, it's, it's a little more comical, it's more fast-paced. So, you know, you want somebody to sort of get that feeling out of the game. Yeah, and, and you want that to be communicated in the writing and the text about it as well. Absolutely, and yeah. not let that get in the way of understanding how the game works, which right. happen as well. Right. So, so how if, I came to this, because I know there was a question somewhere way back when <laughs> <laughs> that I managed to derail us from. Um, I've been in the gaming industry for about 20 years. Um, I started out as a technical editor and in an environmental engineering company. And that, as you um, may imagine, was just a thrill a minute. Mm. So 
<laughs> so when I when I had the opportunity to to move into gaming, I, I was really unsure about the whole you know game producing aspect. Mm -hmm. I love games, but it just didn't seem like that could be a real thing. You know that you would spend up oh, your yeah. career doing, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so <laughs> I know it's amazing. And now I hear everybody, everybody saying that uh, that story is very common. Mm. You know, mostly it comes from parents. <laughs> yeah, people trying to to still. You know, they're they're saying I'm I'm 25, I'm 35, I'm 45. I'm still convincing my parents that this is a real job. <laughs> <laughs> and I always say, you know, that, that that's fine. It's nice for them to, you know, be concerned. But really, as long as you believe it, right, right, <laughs> you can pay your bills and you believe it, then you're doing okay. You see it in practice, so you understand on a level. Absolutely, you know. and you know, and then we get to go home for holidays or vacations or whatever, and uh, the families are almost always uh, there's something fun that you get to take them that right. even if they don't understand it they can appreciate it in that way. Right, so that's right. always fun. That's cool. I worked on um, Magic Gathering, the, the trading card game, mm -hmm. when it was brand new. It was not uh, quite a big hit yet. And um, that's that was sort of cutting my teeth in the game industry mm -hmm. uh, was on Magic. And I was there for um, about 10, 11 years. Um, was executive editor there at... Watsi at Wizards of the Coast, mm. and then I went uh, freelance, and I've worked for several other um, game companies in a more freelance um, consultation mm -hmm. capacity, and then I came here about five years ago. Nice. So that's my bio. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I've played a lot of games in that time. I bet you have. I bet it, that gives you uh, just that that span. I would think gives you a good sort of um, web of different types of games as well mm -hmm. as um, different companies. And I know most of those are based in Seattle area because I know Wizards of the Coast is up there too. That's right. That's yeah. right. I did some work for um, for Upper Deck though mm -hmm. when they took their World of Warcraft into a trading card game. I did the rule book for that. Um, oh, wow. For them and um, things like that. Once with trading card games, they're very, uh, it's a very particular kind of skill. And so once you're working with that, whether in designing or in editing, um, you know, we kind of know each other. Right. <laughs> Word gets out. Yeah. And then, of course, there were a huge number of, of companies, uh, companies that that developed just to do a trading card game that were just a glut of uh, trading card games that came out be because it was a new form, right? It a was new brand new form. thing, yeah, yeah, right. And unfortunately, many of those did not uh, did not last that long. So the ones that either did or that waited to come in a little bit later and were approaching it in a in a more business frame of mind um, are a little more similar to how they're they're putting the games together mm -hmm. so they, it worked um, for what I was doing but I wasn't really looking to continue in that particular thing I'd done trading card games for you know 11 years I'd run a, a whole department of people doing different trading card games and board games and all all sorts of things like that and I was kind of done yeah. Well, so how did it 
I mean, I understand that um, I played High Command, so I know it's not a trading card game, but mm-hmm. it's still a, a deck building game. So did that kind of, did you have like flashbacks <laughs> when they started doing the, that as a new game or a new way to... Uh... Well, you know, the, the the card game tableau has changed so much mm, since those true. days. This whole, The whole deck building game uh, concept is still, for me, it still feels really new. Mm-hmm. I know it's been a few years now since... Uh, the first ones uh, came out, but clearly the the we're still making everybody's still getting all excited about those. And, and I don't just mean companies; I mean players. You know, we're oh, getting yeah. excited about the the different tweaks that that people make to them, and what would it be like if they worked this way instead of mm-hmm. that way? Well, that's one of the things I liked about High Command. Um, I placed a Smash Up as well, and it reminded me of that where you just, you take the two different decks and you put them together Uh and that that constant sort of, okay, how does this work and how do these work together and how can I play these off each other? I thought, I love that dynamic in terms Uh of deck games. Yeah, it is funny. Um, I, I love smash up. It's a, it's a really fun game. It's got a different, definitely got a different tone. Mm, yes. Because of oh, course yeah. it's, you know, your classic ninja pirate, right. ghost, whatever. Yeah. It's it's uh, more whimsical. It's got, it's more whimsical. It's definitely doesn't have the serious sort of edge that High Command has. Right. And what I think they were really successful at doing with High Command, what I appreciate more now than I would have just coming in, you know, now that I'd sort of lived in the war machine world for a while, is that when you're playing, you can definitely, you know, play one faction with your, you know, one favorite warcaster that you use, and that's the way that you do it. And you might tweak your army list one way or another, depending on what you want to have on the board. Mm-hmm. But you can also go bigger. And when right. you go bigger, you can get into combining your factions and, you know, and it's the sort of thought play that that people have you know what if what if you could Mm -hmm. have you know sorcia and you could have you know um asphyxius and you could put them together what would you be able to do and and it's crazy it's you know they're they come from two completely different worlds and yeah you're talking about game pieces right essentially yeah um on a board but for anyone who's uh, who's playing the game, it, it's automatically more than that. Even if they're not really into the to the backstory, mm-hmm. the characters still have their own flavor because what they do is different. Right, exactly, and the way they're the way they're played and their abilities. Yeah. Right, and yeah. I wasn't really when I first heard the idea of high command. I was um, rather skeptical. I tend to be skeptical by nature. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little skeptical of what it would feel like and whether it would still feel like War Machine. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'll just think of this as a totally different game. And as far as what you're doing on how you're moving around, that sort of thing, it really is a different game. Mm-hmm. But what they they were able to do is capture the, the feel and the flavor of, of every faction. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was really fun. We played it at Lock and Load. This last spring, uh, we had mock-up cards, but they were beautiful Mm -hmm. mock-ups. And we were able to get uh, a bunch of people playing with with very small. We had all the factions there for War Machine and Hordes both. And, of course, this is before before we really introduced the game. So it was kind of a sneak peek for people. And Mm -hmm. I know they were excited about it because of that. But the most fun thing about it was how many people over and over were just immediately going to their favorite faction. (laughs) This feels totally like my army. Even though it's 
playing cards and I'm doing a completely different thing. Well, it's familiar enough building on uh, established exactly. group. Yeah. Exactly. And when you've got a setting that you put so much work into, um, and, and I think the players feel that way too, you know, they, they mm-hmm. put a lot of work into the setting. It's not just this world that they step into, you know, they're, they're really invested. Right. And I think that that's one of the things that, that we love about something like Lock and Load where you can, you know, sit down with people and talk about this familiar setting and these people like you might know them and hang out with them Mm -hmm. and hate this one (laughs) (laughs) or you know can you what what's going on with this guy we haven't heard of we haven't heard about for a little while and all the conjecture right Uh, you know that that's really fun of course that's that's fun for me because I'm involved with the story right too so it's always uh, I always enjoy getting a chance to talk with people about that sort of thing. About how big a company is Privateer Press, Darla? Oh my gosh. You know, that's actually a really hard question for me to answer because we have a a solid production area that I'm not as... Ah, I see. Because we make, you know, the, obviously the, uh, uh, some of the plastic models are not made on site, but we do have resin stations and we have, obviously the metal casting and that's all right here in our building oh, wow. and so they've got different shifts going and <laughs> oh, what wow. they've, they've gotten really creative about uh, you know making sure that we have things moving all the time so I really don't know how many people we have down there now but I'm going to guess overall um, there's probably I don't know 70 people mm. um, so it's still in regards to what we produce, I think of it still as a small company and yeah, yeah, absolutely. The creative area that the sort of the business side of things and we're in a two story building. So we tend to, to look at upstairs and downstairs, but upstairs is small, just offices and like one tiny little conference room. Um, we've got, you know, 20, 25 people, maybe tops. It's pretty small. Cool. Yeah. That must leave a lot of responsibility because one of the things I've noticed from Privateer over the last couple of years um, is the expansion of the types of games that you're offering. And, mm. uh, you know, and we, we had Simon when the Kickstarter was going for tactics and moving into sort of a digital um, arena, which is sort of like the, the one place you guys hadn't hit yet. <laughs> I know. That couldn't last, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> For many players, I think it's it's a you know I well I you know you saw your, I'm sure you measured your success with the uh, the Kickstarter itself. You could see that the you know. <laughs> oh, I was you in. Know, yeah, I, me too. <laughs> we were just blown away. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the the marketing business side. I don't know what they were expecting, but uh, I know how grateful they are. Mm, yeah, no uh, doubt. But, for, for most of us, it was so exciting. You know, mm-hmm. we would all be on there even when we hit those particular goals. Mm-hmm. It seemed to always happen uh, late at night right. or <laughs> on a weekend or something like that. And suddenly you'd see everybody um, logged into their, their work email account. We, we can see the <laughs> chat list. You're like, oh, my gosh, there's 16 people logged on right now. <laughs> And that was pretty exciting because you just wanted to be with everybody else to watch it happen. Right, right. Well, that's part of I, that um, enthusiasm, I think, shows in the games that you guys produce. 
Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's what you always hope for. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's hard to tell sometimes. It's uh, another thing that I love personally about um, getting to do something like Lock and Load because, you know, we work really hard and I'm in a position where I don't attend the conventions. We, I'm not part of the, the road show or, you yeah. know, to do the demos and all that sort of things. We've got plenty going on, you know, back at the home base while, while we've got people out there and, and, um, it, we try to keep everything moving so that during con season, you know, it's certainly tight, but we've still got products to put out. So a few of us are pretty much, pretty much here, mm-hmm. uh, all the time while while those guys are out and when we started doing lock and load that's the entire company everybody goes to lock Mm. and load because it's right here locally and what and what is lock and load i'm not oh i'm glad you asked i'm sorry Um, lock and load is is privateers uh convention that's what i thought simon told me about it at pax and i couldn't remember if that's what it was called or not yeah 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 it's I think we've done three years now Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, it's right here locally. We've done it in, um, in Seattle and, um, we just, uh, it it take the whole company is there. The first time it was two days and these last two years, it's been three days and we have a big convention hall, you know, all the things that you would expect Mm -hmm. um, for, for a playing convention, a lot of gaming area, a lot of tournament space, um, the artists are there, or the, um, sorry, the sculptors are there, the painters are there. Um, they're working on something. There's Matt DiPietro over there, you know, painting the thing right. that's going to be coming out. And you can go up and watch him, or you can ask him questions. And cool. then we did, added some seminars. And some of those are hands-on type seminars where the uh, sculptors and painters and and uh, the designers might actually work with you on, you know, alternate color schemes or basing your models or whatever their particular topic is. Mm -hmm. Um, because of course, you know, that's a huge part of, of what we do is that whole hobby aspect. And then there's also some seminars on, uh, you know, the history of the iron kingdoms or what's going on now and what's in the future for privateer. And, you know, we'd like Mm -hmm. to have some fun, uh, with, costume contests and stuff like that too but it's a brilliant idea it really is all privateer so it that's amazing because when we walk in we know that every person who is there either plays the games or supports somebody who plays the games or is into the hobby Mm -hmm. so you know that means that Unlike, I mean, there's always a lot of, of uh, I guess, bonding when you go into a, a gaming convention if you play games because you know there's a good chance that you're going to run into at least a, a few people who play the same things that you do. Right. And you get to, you know, if you don't get to play together, you can talk about it. But in this, you know that anywhere you turn, <laughs> yeah, there's somebody who wants to talk to you about something that's that they think is cool. Right. And it's that's so rewarding. And it, it's an enormous amount of work, um, at least for me. It seems like an enormous amount of work. And it's something that just fuels me so much for the next, you know, the next year until next we year. get to, to go back out there. Yeah. Well, have you always been a tabletop gamer, Darla? You know, I was thinking about that when I, um, when I agreed to, the, to, to talk with you guys because I thought, 
the history of gaming. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh gosh, you know, where on earth did all this start? And you know, what's funny is I did play, I remember learning Othello when I was hmm. in about seventh grade and Mastermind and a few, you know, those early strategic uh, games like that as at school. So I think it was part of a, of a particular class program or something like that. Mm. Um, and I don't really remember playing. We played card games at home, but that was about it. We didn't even have any, you know, Monopoly or anything like that. My friends did, and um, but they had siblings more their age, and I didn't. So that's that might be part of it. I was a big reader. But I think once I learned a couple of those games, I really got focused in on those. And then when I was in college was right where um, the more social games came came out. You know, I played D&D for the first time. I played Pictionary for the first time. And, you know, it's like all these really different types of games. And the experience was so different with each one of them. Mm-hmm. And, and I just really, I didn't love them all in the same way. But, um, you know, I, I had a hard time, you know, focusing <laughs> Like, do I want to play this or I want to play that, you know? Uh, but that's probably about where where it came out. So not from childhood, but, you know, pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Early on. The it, one thing that I never really got into were, the, were video games. I don't do video games. Hmm. I've just never found one that um, captured my interest enough. And I know so, of course, you know so many people who who love different types of video games and um whether it's you know the rpgs are online now or when i say now like it's a new thing right (laughs) (laughs) or uh things like minecraft or uh you know there's just so many different directions that you can go uh that everybody thinks that they have the one you know, you just need to play oh, this yeah. and you'll be totally into it. And so far, I I just, like, you know what? I, I work on a computer all day long until my eyes are bleeding. So maybe we can go do something else for a little while. <laughs> yeah, that's I, what they used I to don't... tell me about beer. <laughs> just finish one. You'll love it. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. It still happening. hasn't worked for you, Rhonda, has it? No. No. I don't like beer. <laughs> no. Now, cocktails, on the other hand. There you go. That's a different story. (laughs) Now you're talking drinking. (laughs) Well, and I think that's a good example because sometimes, you know, sometimes we don't. I I understand that, like, call, Darla, that your friends have that say, here is the game that is the infection vector for you to play video games. Absolutely. (laughs) Because I'm thinking, if you haven't tried Plants vs. Zombies, you really should. Right. Right, and even with the, you know, even with the the app mm-hmm. games that are that are out, um, I have uh, my sister in law is completely hooked on Candy Crush, like to the point where she'll use it as uh, a reward for herself. Oh wow! <laughs> she just can't stop playing, so she had to, you know, do something productive with that. So she she uses it as a as a carrot for doing a, wow. getting other things done or whatever. And I just, I played this and that and the other one for a while. I always just go back to solitaire. I'm like, you know what? I'll play solitaire for a little while just to zone out. Yeah. That's the way I need to shut my mind down for a little while. So I'll do that. But other than that, there are things that I've enjoyed, but I wouldn't say that I I go back to them, you know, consistently. There's just not a great pull there for you. Right. But I, 
I totally understand that drive because that's how I feel when other people are like, well, I, besides computer games, I really don't. Uh, tabletop games, you mean like, like board games and stuff? No, I don't, I don't do that. I'm right. like, oh, you just haven't played the right one. Right. You, about, you know, shoots and ladders or something. It's... Right. Or they're thinking Monopoly, which is like the, you know, ubiquitous game that everybody's had or played. And it is like one of the worst board games ever. And so many people have some horrible, bitter exactly. story. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody hates it. It's just it's one of those games that... Um. That's Nobody right. likes to play, but everybody's played it. And then and then it becomes, like you said, it becomes like the marker for, oh, that's what you mean? Oh, no, I don't like those. And then there's this, you know, this whole world of different types of games you can play, you know, tabletop games you can play. So Right, right. I had an uncle who actually, I had a big family gathering and everybody knew, you know, that I, that I work for a game company. Nobody understood what that meant. I mean, I, you know, for years I've been trying, well, it's a cross between, you know, this and this. And they're like, okay. <laughs> no, they just don't get it. Yeah. And that's fine. But, you know, I had this one one uncle in particular who just had that kind of, of mindset where I was shocked that he, he wasn't a strategy gamer. Mm. Like, you would love these games. You would so love it. But he immediately went back to some of the, the childhood games like Stratego or Risk or oh, something. Geez. I'm like, you know what? There are grown-up versions of those kinds of games. Right. But there's so much more. Mm-hmm. And um, we played some... Things that, that were, I had made up some party, you know, family-friendly things that were very, like a mixer type of a game mm-hmm. based on some of those um, games that were out. And everybody had such a good time. And he's like, I, I don't even like games. And this was fun. Like, okay. <laughs> I think you do like games. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you were saying earlier about um, sitting at a computer all day. You don't want to go home and play on the computer. Uh you work at a gaming company. Do you, when you get home, do you want to play games? Sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> um, not always. <laughs> um, I have, I have two kids uh, who are in grade school and depending on which one, they're very different uh, little gamers, but depending on which one is, is into whatever at the time, you know, I might be begged to play Monza or, you know, my son wants me to watch him play something. Like he wants uh-huh. me to watch him play Minecraft because that's what he wants to do. You know? Like, okay, just, I don't really see why that adds to your experience, but I'm a mom. So I guess <laughs> I'll watch you for five minutes, but that's all I got. Look, mom, I'm building. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause I have to say, you know, I am um, coming up through trading card games until Minecraft came along, I, I was pretty blasé about a lot of the, the things that kids got. You know, Pokemon got very popular, and my friends didn't understand at all what their kids were into. Just the whole concept of what it right. was. And I was really comfortable with that. And uh, now, suddenly with Minecraft, I think I've hit my wall, so to speak. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't really get it, because I'm not somebody who likes that kind of just put things here my daughter is eight and uh, we just got her an infinity system Mm -hmm. the disney one and it has the same sort of area now i understand that there are missions you can go on but i haven't seen them yet because all she wants to do is stay in the sort of introductory area and build stuff and like 
walk around. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just get bored. You it's know, the, like, I, can I, I have, have a that, goal? Yeah, I have that same <laughs> issue with those games. Like, I haven't, I haven't tried Minecraft because I can just look at it and know I'm not interested in it because mm-hmm. the level of the graphics, I'm just like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It has a certain look. It does, and but it's similar. I played a game with um, some friends called Terraria, which is the same kind of open world, build your own house and build your own, you know, this and that, and you have to do all these things to make stuff happen in the game. And there is actually a, a story and creatures that you need to sort of bring about. But all I could think of when I go into it is I'm like, I don't know what to do in this game. Like, I'm like, what, oh. what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> That's it, exactly. For me, that is so much it. Yeah. Um, when my husband and I were, were first together, he was really into, is it Mist that's sort of an open storytelling, exploring kind of a yeah, yeah, early yeah, game, one yeah. of the early ones? Well, he was convinced that this was the one. This was the one that was, that was the infection going vector to that was going to get you. That was the one, right. And so um, he was like, this is, and he loved the game, of course. So mm-hmm, right. he wanted to play it and he'd show me. And I, I always liked it when he would, call me in for the big stuff you know like I'm you do all the poking around all these, I just exactly all these things are going to fall down in a row and it's going to play this song and that that was fine but I just I, I'm wandering around in a library I'm like what do I do he's like just just explore you know because you don't want to box me in I'm like please box me in. <laughs> tell me what to do I don't I don't get this where's the so, walkthrough I just want the walkthrough exactly and even then you know I, I want to have uh, some kind of a of a goal right you know, it doesn't have to be the big goal and it's not like achieving the goal is necessarily the point for me but I need to have it so I've got a context mm-hmm you know, and I think part of that is the the board gaming background. And I, it's right. a which one came first? Right. right. You know, who, who knows? Looking for an outcome, looking for the end the end game. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Speak. Now RPGs are a little bit different, where you know I can hang out because of course you know you're also just hanging out with your friends. Right. Yeah. There's that. a social aspect that changes. Exactly. Yeah. And I love it when um, crazy, goofy things happen. That's true in general with with games, mm-hmm. but with board games, more often other people get frustrated <laughs> <laughs> when crazy, goofy things happen because they have all these plans. Right. <laughs> and that's what I like about crazy, goofy things happening because it blows up your plans. Right. You know? yeah. And uh, you know, that's just that's a that's just a matter of what it is that you like. So that doesn't bother me. But in, uh, in RPGs, I need to know like what the mission is. I don't necessarily care if we complete it. Right. 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 But you have to know as, what the goal is. As long as things are happening. Right. You know, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Hmm. So which, which type of games do you prefer? Do you prefer the deck building games or the miniature type games, the RPGs? I definitely go for for board games uh, first, okay. and I like I a lot of them are they're technically card games that play like a board game. So like uh, Dominion. Uh, no, because that's more of the deck building. Okay, um, yeah, that's true. Sorry. Yeah, those I'm not because those do definitely have a strategic aspect to them that I'm not as comfortable with. Mm. I can understand it, I can work with it, but it's not something that I find relaxing mm-hmm. or invigorating. It just feels very draining to me to play like that <laughs> so I can do it, but it takes so much concentration that 
I'm like, okay, I need a nap now (laughs) Uh, (laughs) or drink one or the other. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So I, I like those kinds of games. Uh, Like in our lines, it would be um, the Bodger mania kind of a game Mm -hmm. where you're working with cards and doing things with cards and, and things happen, but you're not necessarily trying to build a particular kind of a deck or, you know, you're trying to complete a thing. Uh, like Scrappers does that. You're working on collecting certain parts so that you can build your your machine. Uh, and those are probably my my uh, my first go to. And after that, it it really depends a lot on the flavor of the game and what the story is. Can you give us an example? Well, because I like the uh, those unexpected things. Mm-hmm. And- and I like the the whimsical approach. Um, I played a game that uh, it was not even published. And I don't I don't think it's I don't think he's finished it yet. But uh, at a game convention a few years ago called um, Oh my God, there's an axe in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and the stick of the game was on his on his uh, little introductory like you you think that this, he's giving you the rules because he hands you this page and it's got you know the illustrations and things and it's full of text and it turns out to be how to say oh my god there's an axe in my head in like 40 different languages <laughs> it's just a goofy thing that is is the theme of the story he could have done it on something completely different because it's just about of moving pieces gradually and and having them taken out supposedly by axes that are flying through the air um but there's a whole there's a whole story there right uh, yeah it's not important uh Mm -hmm. it helps you conceptualize what the pieces are doing right they move differently and they have slightly different rules things like that but ultimately you know it's just the skin right on the game if a game has a a skin that's appealing enough to me i'll have fun with it right so have you played flux oh yeah okay i was like if you if you like games where things change yeah i know that that's yeah. pretty much the definition of flux i remember bringing flux home the first time i went to gen con probably was around 1996 or so maybe even 95 and bringing flux home it was really new so whenever it came out it was probably that year mm-hmm. and i was so excited about when it came home i felt like i you know found jesus or something <laughs> i was like i can't believe that that people made this as a game and it works yeah you know it, that's it the part crazy. that's amazing to me about that yeah it, it is, is kind of a crazy works. game it's fun, but it though. can go too far. I mean, you know, I don't want something where that's some that's a good example of a game that amazes me because it changes and it can change at any point. Maybe because you know it's going to change, you don't invest too much, you know, right? So you don't feel completely betrayed <laughs> when it suddenly changes. I don't know. I've I've had I have two versions of Flux. I have Monty Python and um, Star Flux, and. Oh. Monty Python is a little odd just because you need to know Monty Python really well. Oh, I see. And if you don't know Monty Python really well, you don't get the in-jokes and you don't get the, I mean, you have to quote them and you have to sing the songs. And Oh, my goodness. There's some really kind of complex gameplay that goes on in that. So I'm kind of like, I'm not as drawn to that. I get hurt with the star flux because I get characters that I really like. 
and I've really liked on shows, you know, they're spoofs of them. They're not exactly the character, but you know, it's, you know, it's Kaylee from Firefly, you know, <laughs> I see. Uh-huh. and I get attached and then <laughs> bad things happen and <laughs> then I get a little hurt. So, <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine doing that. I can totally imagine doing that. Because I'll do that even if, uh, you know, I'm playing a, a, a character, and I say character, but not necessarily in an RPG kind of way. You know, I'm, whoever I'm playing mm-hmm. in, in my game is, uh, you know, maybe he's a bad guy and right. he's going to be doing things. But I'm like, you know, he's got his reasons. I've got my reasons for doing these things. And I'm just somebody trying to get along. <laughs> that, that just, uh, otherwise, it's too hard for me. I can't stay completely distanced. Mm-hmm. I just don't. Yeah. Well, I think it's lot. one of the things that really appealed to me about uh, about War Machine. I mean, when I was first talking to Privateer about coming on board, I was pretty upfront with them that I said I, I've I've seen the game, I've never played it, I don't I don't understand it at all, you know. So what are we going to do about that? You know, how does that fit in? Is that going to be okay? And they're like, Oh, don't worry. You'll be hooked in no time, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And then they gave me the reading list. (laughs) Yeah. Because I asked, I said, you know, if I wanted to read everything, that's sort of backstory so that I get the context. Mm -hmm. Um, But here's what I did. I didn't go to my boss, the project director and say, what do I need to read? I went to Doug Seacat, who's the the writer, mm-hmm. and that was probably oh. tactical error <laughs> yeah. that, that ended up serving me well. But I got this email that had like forty items on it, and some of most of those items were books. Oh, you know? wow. <laughs> it was like here's your list of all the things if you really want to, because Doug is a completist, oh, so he yeah. wanted to make sure that he didn't miss anything, right. you know, that I might be interested in. Yeah, and, and so he, he didn't, went all the way. Back. He didn't leave any holes in any of no. uh, the information he was giving you. No, he had no quarter issues. That's our magazine that that we we published because there's some fiction that appeared mm-hmm. only in no quarter. He had old RPG things on there. He had online things. There were a couple of things that were only published online, and that are I assume still up there somewhere. Mm-hmm. He had online things on there. Uh, of course, we didn't have um, Skull Island Expeditions, our digital publishing. That's new. So there wasn't anything like that, thank goodness, back then. Because then I would have had to have about another six months of just preparing. Research. <laughs> yeah. Just prep. It's a, There's a lot. There's an enormous amount because, you know, it's not just looking at one particular nation it's not you know here's king arthur's england right you know, you've got a lot of characters but they all kind of have to do with the same things and if you have somebody who's from another country then it's it's here on our land right right and we only need to know representative facts about where they're from now it they they that wasn't enough for, <laughs> for <privacy>. uh-huh. <laughs> so there's a whole world and um the iron kingdoms is only you know, one portion of one continent, and uh, then they did hordes, so they get into the more the wilder side of right. things and more animalistic uh, societies. But that didn't expand geographically. That didn't expand expand it that much. It's still all on the same continent. Mm-hmm. So you know, thinking about the future can get a little frightening <laughs> if you're thinking about the extent. Yeah, the, the potential for growth. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh, there's so much, which is exciting. Yeah. 
because you know you you have no idea what what's going to come down the pipe mm-hmm. next. I mean, and tactics is a great example of that. I mean, you know, when uh, when we were preparing for the Kickstarter, there's a lot of you know dreaming that that people start doing and. Uh, not very many people here are directly involved with Whiteman Dreams um, working on that, although uh, Matt Wilson, our creative officer, right, um, is he gives us updates. And, you know, it's like a little ripple goes through the company. He'll give us updates with images and here's what's happening with this character and, you know, things like that. And obviously there are a few people who are directly involved, but uh, for the most part, we've got a lot of other products to get out in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Then it's like this little shot goes through the company every time we get an update because it's so freaking exciting yeah. to see, you know, th- these things that have existed in our heads and maybe in some terrain and some art pieces moving around on the screen. It's it's just mind-boggling. Well, and they're absolutely gorgeous, so that doesn't hurt. It doesn't. Yeah, no. I was nervous about that. But even the yeah. Kickstarter teaser... Yeah. Um, yeah. Teaser. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I know. I watched it multiple times. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. I'm like, I'm not even trying to learn about this and I just can't stop watching it. Yeah. Well, Darla, how would you define a gamer? You know, that's a, a word that gets tossed around an awful lot. And that in your job more than most places do. <laughs> well, at least I know a lot of people, uh, both here, uh, obviously, and because my social circle includes so many people I've worked with in the past who are at other game companies um, or doing something completely different. You know, it's the sort of topic of the day, right, for Mm -hmm. a lot of reasons, and that's good. But um, I think it's a little restrictive. So for me, a gamer is anybody who, who is excited about playing games and it's more than just let's get this thing out get it out of the box and it's and it's a defined experience for a little while or you know log online and this is it's one hour of mm-hmm. doing this thing and then you leave it there to go do everything else if you're running over things in your mind if you're you know thinking about what you would say to this character in a coffee shop or if you ran into him in the mall <laughs> Not that I've ever done that. <laughs> um, anything like that, I that's really what I think of when I think of gamers mm-hmm. because it's more about the um, investment, the enthusiasm, yeah. than anything else for me. That was beautifully put, that actually. That really was, yeah, yeah. I think well, that, when you when ahead. you play some of the, um, the games that you do, the tabletop games, is it important in games where you can pick the characters that you're going to play or be a part of. Is it important to you, that selection process? I get overwhelmed really easily if I don't know the game very well. Um, So I can, usually picking that character changes what you want to do in the game. It changes what, you know, abilities you have and all that sort of thing. So for me, I really need to focus in on one particular aspect. So if I want something that's going to be very um, direct, you know, I'll say, I just, I just want to go hit stuff and that's enough. (laughs) Right. You know, and that, that helps at least narrow the field. And then maybe I'll just pick the one that has the color I like or, you know, whatever I feel like that day, or, or, you know, if I'm playing with other people who are more familiar than I might, um, they might have a particular character they really are attached to, 
And that never bothers me at all. I'll play whatever's left. You know, I'm used to that. Do you do you have a preference one way or the other whether or not the game is competitive versus cooperative? Hmm. I they feel really different to me. So I mean, obviously they're different, but I think that in competitive games, I get really competitive, like personally, vindictively competitive, <laughs> and uh, that's not something that usually comes out. For me, I'm I'm not typically like that, so it's usually a surprise to uh, you know <laughs> people that haven't played with me before. And also, you know, combine that with the fact that I'm not a very strategic gamer. That's not a very good combination. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> to have. So you know, a little self awareness can go a long way in that. I think uh, <laughs> my therapist uh, tells me, but. <laughs> So with the with the cooperative games that I've played, I I'm not a huge fan of a lot of them. I don't mind them, and and I'll play. Um, I played you know a little Arkham Horror and you know Pandemic and things like that. But it tends to be either there's somebody who knows the rules really well and they know what's likely to happen and they tend to control. The boards. Yeah, yeah they, they drive the it. game. Yeah. Right. And I don't, then whether I end up enjoying that game depends so much on who that person is and mm. how they deal with, you know, giving Questions. people that information. Mm-hmm. You know, whether they're really social or if they end up coming off kind of bossy. And, you know, if they're, if they're very inclusive and all of that, I tend to have a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, you've got ones that, there's so little, I mean, it feels very fractured what people are doing and, you know, maybe everybody is progressing with what they're doing and it's, it's not competitive, but you're not necessarily all going for the same goal. Mm. Like, um, um, that was my experience playing Shadows Over Camelot. Now, I don't know if it was just that particular, um, when I learned it, it was it was kind of like that where people felt, it, the group felt a little fractured. Mm. I can see that with that game, too, because that's another one that has sort of the spy element where one person's really against everybody. Yeah, I I wondered about that Mm -hmm. because everybody thought I was the I was the spy because (laughs) I kept doing things so badly, (laughs) (laughs) which is an interesting tactic, I suppose. (laughs) I was about to say, that's a good strategy. I'm going to remember that. (laughs) You know, it it wasn't entirely intentional, but I didn't go out of my way to, uh, you know, try to convince them otherwise. But my husband ended up being the the spy in that particular game. So we talked about it later, and it was our both of us. It was the first time we played one of the games with that spy mm-hmm. element, that secret spy element. Yeah. And um, I I was wondering if that was why it felt kind of fractured. But I don't actually think that was the case. I think it was um, just particular decisions that some of the players made. And and I should say, you know, we still had a great time. We mm-hmm. both had a, had a good time with it. It was just really different from what I was expecting. Mm. Um, the most recent cooperative game that I played was actually ours, uh, Level 7 Omega Protocol. Oh, yeah, I saw that at PAX. I didn't get a chance to play it, but I saw it. Yeah, so you've got this this uh, facility that you're that you're in, and you're trying to get everybody out of and you've got these aliens that of course don't want you to leave and you have to shoot them and all these other things happen so it's kind of you've got a little bit of a maze because it's an exploration game but uh, you've also got these like spawning points 
where the the aliens, uh, you know, just like start popping out uh, periodically. And because you're all your 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 team is all soldiers, everybody has different kinds of weaponry and different kinds of, of sneaking skills and things like that. And we got it out here on a first Friday, which is a what we do at the at the company. The first Friday of every month, we play games for an afternoon. We get we get a chance to play our games, and um, it's an amazing you know benefit that yeah get to do and it, be awesome. you know because you could just walk down the hall and be like say to one of the designers hey you know Casey, do you mind uh, running this game for us and <laughs> you get a bunch of people who maybe they played it in play test nine months ago um and it's changed but you get to play with the real deal for the first time it's a very different experience and uh, that was a lot of fun because you know we got to shoot things just fine and we all Okay, most of us uh, ended up getting out, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it was a different kind of a, a different kind of a, a cooperative game, I right? Because yeah. it had more of that monsters come at you kind of a feeling, right? So there was more danger sort of involved in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I want to I want to sort of wrap up with a with a question I want to ask you since you have like you said, almost 20 years of experience in the game industry. What kind of advice would you give to someone wanting to to get into the industry? Wow. Well, you know, I didn't come into the industry um, looking to get into the game industry. So I feel like oh. <laughs> my that wasn't the goal. <laughs> a little different. Yeah, yeah. I, I was more skeptical and was like, okay, I guess if I can't get a real job, then maybe I should <laughs> And now you see one. where your family comes from with their, <laughs> you're really still doing that? <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, maybe I should actually find out what that is all about now, mm-hmm. you know, since you've been there for so long. But honestly, the one thing, you never know how, what it's going to take to make one of these games work, especially if it's something brand new. And so many of the games, um, if it's not a new game style, it's a new title, it's a new um setting you know or it's a new interpretation like high command instead of of war machine um so really i think the thing that's the most important is to know what you're doing Mm. to get really good at what you're doing so for me that would be um editorially understanding how a rule book works how how people learn games playing different kinds of games um, being able to look at something and figure out what's missing because mm. it's often about what's not there. Right. And that's, that's really hard. Um, now for some people it, it comes, you know, pretty easily, but it's one of those things that you just have to have a lot of practice at. Mm-hmm. And then on the story side, um, you know, of course being able to, uh, edit very well and be a broad reader. Right. But whether it's that or, or, you know, if you're in marketing or whatever you do, I think you just have to get really good at it. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to work in gaming, that's what you do. Or, you you know, you that's you've got something to bring to the table. Right. So sort of hone in on a specific skill set, not necessarily aimed at the game industry itself, but yeah. something that I, you can master that you could take with you there. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. you have to remember that when you're if you're approaching a game company, you know, it's great. They, they love that you play their games, but that's not what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, people want somebody who has the skills for that will fill the need. 
right. that they have. And right. whether that's a, you know, I, I run a coffee company and I need to have somebody who can make this particular brand, you know, sing. Right. Then that's what they're, that's what they need. Yeah. Uh, you can, you can learn about how to make coffee. Right. You know, or whatever the, the specific setting is, you can learn that stuff, mm-hmm. but it's harder to teach expertise in a particular area. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you sat down to play a new game or play a game for like the third or fourth time even is a better example. And you're looking through that rule book and you're like, I can't believe it doesn't say in here about this situation. You know, <laughs> you start, you tra- start trying to look something. I mean, almost every game we've ever mm-hmm. played, there ends up being something that we cannot find yep. oh, yeah. a reference to in the rule book. Oh, yeah. And you Do only you learn... Even when you're a kid, I think most people I know remember the first time that they even found out there were rules in the top of the Monopoly box. <laughs> like, they didn't even know. <laughs> because everybody, you learn from somebody else. Right. Like everybody has house rules. Somebody just shows you. Yep. Yeah. Right. Well, that, they that, have house rules. They're like, well, we always play it this way. Right. And we always play it that way. And, of course, when you're seven, that's that's fine. Right. Um, yeah. But you know, when you're making a product for, for other people and, and you're trying to, you really want to take it seriously, it is, it can be hard and it can be disheartening, mm-hmm. you know, but it can also be um, a learning opportunity where you're trying to look at something and say, you know, how would I do it better? Right. Or how would I try to make it, you know, how would this feel more like something that I've worked on? Right. You know, how can I put my my stamp on this? Right, right. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, a lot of the time you end up just um, just saying, well, I would have done it differently, but that doesn't necessarily mean it would have been better. Right. You know? yeah, especially in editing, that's something that that you learn really fast is that there there are rules and there are a lot of them that you can get down, but you can't do the whole job by the rules. Right. Well, Darla, it's been really, really interesting. Uh, We always love talking to people that are actually in the gaming industry because I've got so much to learn in that area. And I just love I've been really quiet because I just love hearing (laughs) (laughs) just sitting here absorbing it and just enjoying myself so much. But uh, we really appreciate you being with us today. Well, I had a blast. Thanks so much for asking me. And uh, we've had Darla here from Privateer Press, and we appreciate her being on our show. Make sure to check out their new game offerings, including the new deck building game, High Command. And you can check out our review on GameOnGirl.com. Well, we're going to wrap up our week, uh, actually probably two or three weeks yeah. now. We haven't talked about our rap segment in a while, uh, where we discuss what we've been watching, reading, and playing in uh, our universes. Usually it has to do with geek stuff. A little bit. Regina, what have you been watching? Uh, I've been catching up on some of my favorite shows that have you know come back for their oh, new yeah. seasons. Um, the two that are standing out the most right now to me are Once Upon a Time and Revenge. Uh, which I talked about characters from those in our ass kicker hero, female heroes mm-hmm. episode yeah. way in the way back. Um, I'm slightly disappointed with both of them right now. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I'm having a really hard time connecting to Once Upon a Time this Aww. season, and I'm feeling really 
off center because of that, um, just with the oh. show itself. Um, and I, cause I always had such a, such an excitement and such a connection to how they were telling yeah. the stories, but they're in a different, um, they're in Neverland right now. Right. I've been seeing the trailers and I thought it looked kind of interesting. It does. I guess I was having more hopes. Yeah. For it. And it is. And, and I'm, I'm, I have faith that it's going to come around and to be fair, I've only watched the first two episodes. I think there's four out total right now. Okay. Um, but for the first two, I'm like, there's something slow about it. There's something murky that's not really kind of connecting to me the way that I, I had hoped it would. Um, and I had an idea of what it was, and I can't remember. I think it might have been that it's the focus is away from like, because they were in a town in Maine, and there was always sort of like a connection to that specific locale, and they're not there at all. All the characters are in right. Everland right now. So I'll be interested to see if I can kind of loop it back together again and I think for revenge it's just to the point where she's so vicious (laughs) (laughs) that I'm just kind of over it now which is really sad because she is a really strong female character and I really like that about the show that is sort of driven by you know this ninja like female character but I think I'm I think I just kind of gotten past I've gotten past it so yeah I guess that stretching that storyline is it's just stops character progress yeah that's I think that's the thing for me is I I I hoped that part of what was going to happen was uh you know and it it is getting more complex and there was one um storyline where she was going after a priest who was really a a very good who had really you know redeemed his life but she sent in motion the the um, betray the betrayal or to, you know, to set up and ruin him. And she couldn't undo it once she realized that he really was a good guy. And that was interesting, but it, it would have been more interesting to me had she actually been able to succeed and she hadn't burned him. So, you know, that, that was, that would have given it a little bit more depth. I've also been catching up on season nine of How I Met Your Mother. Okay. Which I know you had been watching, right? Um, is season nine, is that the new the, season? Yeah, the new season, the current, the current season that's airing. No, I, I watched maybe, I don't know, the first episode and I haven't watched it since. Okay. I have I just completely lost interest. Well, I was wondering what it was that had sort of inspired you to lose interest in it. Cause I kind of have a theory. I just, I don't know. No. It's just this, it, it just seems to me like the same shtick over and over again and I already know what the ending is (laughs) well that's when one of the things that's been an interesting note about that show in general is that there's so much build up to how I met your mother but we already know you know we know the end of this season already and so I've been I've been really interested in the fact that they're taking like the wedding weekend hour by hour so each episode is like an hour of like a one weekend so the whole season I'm assuming or at least a good chunk of it oh wow is going to be over three days. Oh my goodness. Each, All right. I had no idea yeah, about that. Each episode starts out this season saying X number of hours until Barney and Robin's wedding. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So it's an interesting approach to it. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of liking that because it's very in the moment and, you know, yeah. instead of, and there isn't as much back and forth storytelling as usually goes on in the episodes where he's like back to this and back to that. There's a little bit of yeah. it, but it's not as much. It's more it's more prominent in the moment. So oh, okay. you might give another episode a chance. Yep. Let's see. You may have redeemed it. <laughs> but what have you been watching? Well, um, 
all the new stuff, um, there is very little of it that um, I have thrown aside. Um, it, most of it actually is, is very decent and passable. I think what I want to mention over again are the two opposites, um, moms and dads. Mm-hmm. Uh, moms continues to surprise me. Mm-hmm. And that is extremely difficult to do with a situation comedy in 30 minutes. Right. And I think, yeah, no, I'm not going to watch it again tonight. And I'll go back and I'll catch up on it. And the leading ladies on the show are just phenomenal. I just love watching them act and carry a scene. And the writing, I mean, even in the last episode, the very end of it, they completely threw me. And I was like, well, I wouldn't, I didn't see that coming. Hmm. And I like that. I mean, because most situation comedies are extremely predictable. It's just how funny or how likable the person is that's doing the acting. And I was just really pleased with it where conversely with dads, it's just painful to watch. (laughs) Yeah. I've seen, I've seen the commercials for dads. I haven't watched it, but every now and then I catch one of the commercials and I'm like, Oh God, like right in the gut with some of these scenes. Yeah. It's just really, it it really is in in many ways. It really, is family guy with real life people Mm -hmm. but it does not translate Mm. Uh, and i'd i really would be interested to to see if there are any guys watching it who who find it amusing but i think they would just find it seriously uncomfortable Mm. um well we we love your feedback (laughs) yeah we know seth green is talented we know giovanni rabisi is talented and the supporting character uh actors uh, the dads everybody is really good but Mm -hmm. i it's just it's not working it's just not working well it's too bad that's too bad yeah yeah so are you still reading your series i am still reading house of night i am on i'm just about to finish the book before the one that just came out last week so there's an i'm on hidden right now the book hidden is the one that i'm reading and I just ordered last night. I went online and ordered um, the next book, so I have it. Um, I think it's called Revealed. So, so it's out. It's out. Yeah, it came out okay. um, October fifteenth. So it's been out for just about a week now. So, but I waited. I didn't order it <laughs> until I knew I had finished because I knew I would want to jump into this new book. Oh, okay. I, I finished rereading. <laughs> So I'm on the precipice. I have maybe um, 100 pages left of Hidden. And okay. um, and it's interesting. I'm, I haven't reread the la- these last two books in the series. I haven't read more than once. And so it's been interesting to go back into them because I didn't remember a lot of the plot points. Um, I remembered a lot of what happened in the books previous because I'd read them two or maybe three times. I'm I'm having more surprise in what's the events that are happening in this um, and not remembering some of the details of the story. So that's been kind of nice. I'm yeah. a, I'm concerned. I'll be curious to see what happens with our main character um, in the next book because I made the horrid mistake of looking at the user comments last night oh. <laughs> as I went to place the order and a couple of people were not particularly thrilled with, um, with it. One of the things about the House of Night series as well is it... It, it's in along the same vein that how how I met your mother is taking right now, 
where each book is usually a series of days okay. in the characters' lives. So they're very intense, short periods of time that you that you know you kind of go through. And one of the comments on the website had been, "I'm really tired of this. <laughs> you know, so much action have, happening in a span of several days." Um, but it's kind of realistic. I think that's one of the things I kind of think is interesting about it. Usually, if you're you now in this like epic battle against bad guys, there's not like huge lapses of time between battles. So it usually just kind of continues on. So yeah, we'll see. Awesome. Yeah. We'll see about that. So what have you been reading? Um, well, I finished up, uh, Jim Butcher's second book in the Dresden files, um, called full moon mm-hmm. and you know, all credit to butcher for his writing and everything, but it, it's just, the books are just not for me. It just, it's very formulaic to me and um, the characters are hard to wrap my head around, especially the, um, the lead female character. She's actually a supporting character, the um, police officer Morgan, mm-hmm. just so unlikable mm-hmm. and uh, illogical to me. Mm-hmm. She just doesn't make any sense about the things that she says and does. And it just makes her annoying. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, I mean, that, uh, Dresden himself is a very interesting character. I think he's put together a very interesting world and uh, really great ideas, but there's just not a whole lot of surprises. But mm. I started uh, Wool by Hugh Howie, and <clears throat> I remember when we had Toria on once, she mentioned that. Yeah. And I sat there, I was like, wait a minute, why have I heard that? And it was my friend Ray had mentioned it. I looked over on my whiteboard. I had written it up there. And I was like, that's that's why. So I started it, and it's amazing. Awesome. Yeah, Toria was right. I mean, it's just absolutely captivating. I believe it's a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's reading the third book now. Um, forget what it's called, but very much looking forward to finishing that series. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. So you have had a chance to play anything? I've had a little time. I started a new um, a new phone game that actually I started because our writer Amy had been playing it. Um, it's Tetris Blitz. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. And it's a really, it's a two minute long Tetris game. And um, it's a really, it's really, I had actually been kind of craving a Tetris game. So it came along right around the time I was like, oh, I would love to play Tetris again. And it's, it gets two minutes long and it's, you know, your traditional Tetris, except you don't have to like drive the pieces down. You can just tap on your screen as to where you want them to go. Oh, nice. So nice. it's, a, it's faster that way. Yeah. And there's um, uh, power ups you can buy that will give you like three lasers that will wipe like three, three lines out and you get into a blitz mode, which helps like break all the lines up and, and it's pretty fun. What's interesting about it in terms of looking at the market of point of sale purchases in app games and advertising in them. (laughs) Yeah. There's some really crazy product placement in this game. (laughs) Really? Yes. They have sponsored (laughs) power-ups. Oh, that's fascinating. So it's like progressive insurance, you know, for this week's, (laughs) you know, Flo's unicorn bonus or whatever. (laughs) No Yes. And there will be a little image of Flo on a unicorn <laughs> who crosses the screen and wipes out a bunch of your Tetris lines. Oh, no. 
it's ridiculous. I mean, it's it's humorous. I, I laugh every time I see them and I'm just like, or the Toyota Corolla power up, you know, and, and so oh, that's that's the means of product placement sort of in the game and advertising in the game, which which is, is, is kind of playful because at least it's not like a pop up on your screen. <laughs> Yeah. For the mm-hmm. ad, which they do have some of those as well, but they're few, much fewer and far between than they are on other games where, like, when you play Words with Friends for free, you have to hit one, yeah. you know, every time you finish a turn. It's not like that, so they just pop up for this. But that that was kind of ridiculous when I realized that was, a lot, you know, where the advertising and product placement was kind of coming was these power-ups. <laughs> Yeah, you can't tell me advertising doesn't work. I know. <laughs> I was they just, throw money in that. Oh, I know. Geez. I was just like, well, this is fascinating that, you know, here's a power up that you can buy. And the point of sale purchase that's interesting is you have an option at the end of your game to buy a finisher, quote unquote, finisher power up that you can buy for 99 cents. Like if you're close to like topping your high score or whatever, you could you know, oh. in that moment at the end of a game, you could buy that power up no, too. That's wrong. It, it's really, it's really dangerous. It's really kind that's of like, wrong. you can't buy it with coins because you collect coins and you spin for coins or whatever, and you get coins for different, you know, levels that you pass. But you can't buy it with that. You have to pay, you know, cash to get them. But it just pops up at the end. And I was like, that's a really interesting, a really interesting and new strategy in terms of getting people no. to spend more money on games. <laughs> You can't buy score points. <laughs> no. Well, that's not what they want you to believe. <laughs> well, they're in marketing. That's why evil is <laughs> pure evil. That is the new evil. It is. It is. It's. It, it crosses a line for sure. Um, in terms of like you said, you know, paying for points and paying to increase your score. You literally pay 99 cents to bump your ability. So, <laughs> Well, it's sort of like um, I've been playing Candy Crush. Rhonda, and- really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, at, the, at the end of a turn, if you haven't completed the mission yet, it'll pop up and say, would you like five more moves? Mm-hmm. And it's 99 cents. Right. I've, I've never bought one because that is just cheating. Either <laughs> I do it within the number of moves or I don't, right? You know? Yeah, I, I I understand. And I'm, I'll be curious now that you're p- playing Candy Crush to see if you cave and get a uh, Facebook account. No. <laughs> because you can get lots of extra things for Candy Crush having a Facebook account. Well, let me, let me, let, I, did, I didn't mean to bring Candy Crush up so early. That's okay. <laughs> am, I, am I reading this correctly that you have Charlie Murder? I do have Charlie Murder, yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So, uh, how is it? Oh, it's fantastic. It is so oh, fun. Oh, I knew it. And I, I've got to, I get to, I'm playing Skelly Kitten, the character that you have the t-shirt from. Yes, yes. And I get to play her. And um, and it's just, it's, you know, it's a smash up, run in, you know, but there's RPG elements to it. There's like a fake Twitter app and an email that you get on your smartphone. I mean, it is just, 
it is delightful. It, it's one of now. Did delightful. it just come out? No, it came out. It came out before um, before pack. So it was out. Okay, in, I'm sure. In early August, I think was when it was out. So it's been out for a while, but it's only Xbox Live Arcade that you can get it on. So that's why you need to be jealous because I know you don't have an Xbox. Well, not yet. <laughs> if there is a game to buy it for, the Ska games are the games to buy an Xbox for. Yeah. I should make sure to send this episode to them so that they know that I said that because truly the only games I play on my Xbox other than uh, Plants vs. Zombies, the only games I play on my Xbox are Ska games. So Wow. Well, it's so funny because uh, a friend I was mentioning earlier who recommended the book Wool um, asked me today if I wanted his old Xbox oh. because he was buying the new one. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> And you said yes, because I need to have Charlie murder. Yes, that's right. <laughs> it is. You'll love it. You'll And you and um, you and John can play it together. Um, oh, that's even better. Yeah, you can go in and play it together, which makes it a lot of fun. And it's just, you know, it's a side scroller, uh, you know, fighter, beat em up game. Uh, so yeah. pretty much all you're doing is beating up zombies and other kinds of creatures. But there's bosses at the end of every level. And they change, and the artwork is just fantastic, and the gameplay is really, it's really intuitive, it's really easy to get into, and I just can't say anything, you know, more about it, it's just fantastic. All the things that are fun about games. Pretty much just encompasses everything that you'd want in in a game, and like I said, I'm not particularly fond of playing on the console, but I love Ska games, and I love Charlie, so (laughs) Skelly Kitten is adorable, so... (laughs) Well, yes, I am playing Candy Crush, but I have a very good reason. Oh? I I got my Kindle Fire. Oh. And they gave me um, uh, 500 coins that I could go out and just buy anything I wanted to with. That's mm-hmm. how they operate on their uh, Kindle store. And I got um, a game called Marble's Temple, which reminded me of a game I used to have on one of my old phones just ages ago. I just love that game. Uh, I think it was called Jurassic something. Mm. Um, This game's not nearly as good. Um, It's pretty much the same exact thing, but to me, it's just not nearly as challenging. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the other game I could get for free was Candy Crush. I was like, you know what? I'm going to tempt the bees. <laughs> I'm well, going to poke heard the bear. talking about her friend who uses it as a reward system now. So you know what yeah. you're in, in danger of. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't have that attraction for me. Well, that's good. I, I really don't see. Uh, it's bejeweled. I mean, that's all yeah. it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a, um, a limited move bejeweled. Yes, mm-hmm. which is very, very smart. It's mm-hmm. a very good way to do the game. And they have added some um, some other challenge features to it, which is really, really good. But, but right now, it's just fun to play any game on my new Kindle Fire. Right. And um, I just can't say enough. First of all, Amazon, if you would like to sponsor our show. <laughs> we would love that because Regina reads all our books on Kindle. Kindle, so. <laughs> yes. And this Kindle Fire is absolutely awesome. Um, I pre-ordered and received it on the 18th when I was expecting to, to receive it and uh, sat and played with it, plugged it up to charge it overnight, got up the next morning, 6% battery. Oh. And I'm like, okay, uh, pro- either I didn't plug it in well into the wall or the cable's out. Mm-hmm. So I switched the cables, picked a different wall, lightning bolt shows up, it never charges. Oh. And I'm like, okay, 
this thing is supposed to have the new Mayday button. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of that? No. Well, it's a button in the um, basic settings in the help section. You can go to and push it, and you immediately, not immediately, but my screen came up and said, within 15 seconds, you'll be connected with a live customer service operator. And sure enough, within a few seconds, I got a little video pop up in the corner of a live operator. He can't see me, Mm -hmm. but he sees my screen. Right. And he's like, well, I can see your account and everything here. What seems to be the problem? And I told him whatever, everything that was going on. He goes, I am so sorry this is happening. He goes, I'm ordering you a new Kindle Fire right now. And I can see on your screen, you've only got 6% power and it's not charging. It sounds like you've done everything you can do. So it's on its way. Awesome. That button is going to change the way customer service is done. Yeah, no doubt. Because who does that? A live person. A live person. And you can look at them, you can look them in the face. Right. I mean, you know, you can tell whether they're, they're snarking on the other end. Right. Yeah. Like the level of uh, professionalism that has to go with that is significantly increased from this. Huh. And just so, just so, Amazon knows the whole time he was on he was on the video I was looking around at the office space behind him I was looking around to see where is he at and where what's he doing the background is professional everything's mm-hmm. professional if he if he had had posters up and and beanie babies everywhere I wouldn't have cared right the idea that it was a real person was just amazing right I this reminds me of a story I called a, a L.L. Bean to order some stuff for Christmas one year and I wasn't ready with my order like I was still looking through the catalog and making my decision because I was anticipating it was right before Christmas I was going to be on oh. hold for a long time and a yeah. person answered immediately <gasps> wow and I was like oh hi <laughs> I, I'm still shopping. Um, I, I'm not 100. I mean, I know a couple of things, but I had a couple. Of, I thought I was going to be on hold for a while. So I can put you on hold if you want. I'm like, no, it's all right. <laughs> but I remember wow. thinking the impression it made on me as a as a you know consumer was very positive because I was like, oh, it was here's a rush time and they have enough people to handle there and where you're not, you know. Yes, Your exactly. call will be answered in, you know, six minutes or whatever it is for, you know, being on hold. So, yeah, I've already got my new Kindle and um, it's charges just fine. It's just, it's a, it's a beautiful, I got the smaller one if anybody's curious mm-hmm. and really love it and gameplay on it's a lot of fun awesome and i've also started playing um borderlands 2 again it's it's really cool i'm playing with a co-worker up at uh work during lunch nice that's awesome <laughs> it is so great that is you so can, cool you could never imagine how fast a lunch hour goes oh i can believe it yeah that would definitely but, help it along. Yeah, but it's just, it's really nice to have awesome. somebody to play with. That's what I like doing. I like playing with other people. Right. I, I don't like playing by myself. So. Yeah, I can understand that too. Well, cool. We'd love to hear how you guys are uh, geeking out. What are you watching, reading, and playing? Uh, we love your suggestions. And let us know what you think about some of the suggestions we made today. You've been listening to Game On Girl. I'm the co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. You can follow me on Twitter at Row Room. That's R-H-O-R-H-O-O-M. Or email Rhonda at GameOnGirl.com. And I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz with two Zs, as I'm known on Twitter, Steam, and Words with Friends, if you want to come play Words with Friends with me. Huge thanks to Darla from Privateer Press for joining us on the show today. What a great conversation. 
Um, I feel her pain, you know, as an English teacher, I certainly know. <laughs> yeah. The joy. I was enthralled. Yeah. <laughs> I know you were exceptionally quiet. I was like, okay, I hope she's okay. <laughs> uh, I was completely enthralled. <laughs> That's fantastic. So we had a great conversation. Make sure to go check out all of their games, but um, definitely check out War Machine Tactics if you haven't. The Kickstarter's ended, but the game is going to be fantastic. So you should check that out and definitely check out High Command because I've played it numerous times and it is quite enjoyable and don't forget game on girl is hosting two groups for the extra life fundraiser our event where we're playing the games uh, will be saturday the november 9th and we really need your support now there are three whole weeks left so there's plenty of time uh, and a hundred percent of your donation goes to the children's miracle network hospitals so we everybody involved is um is not getting a slice of the pie, so you know where your money's going. You can find our links. We are the East and West divisions of Game on Girl. If you go to the Extra Life website, and you can either make a donation or you can start your own team and raise your own money. But uh, we're begging you, help us meet our goal. Yes, we love we love your support for Extra Life. Episodes of Game on Girl are available on iTunes and Stitcher streaming. We also have an app for download available from Podbean, so you can get all of Game on Girl episodes through the iOS, the Podbean app. So check that out if you want to catch up on some back episodes of Game on Girl. These links, along with the description of the show, can be found on our website, GameOnGirl.com. This podcast is edited by Ryan Broom at Desert Tree Media, and the theme song Good Day by Triple Fox is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, game on! Woohoo! Woohoo!